Let's go. Welcome to the Let's Go Hockey Podcast. This is producer Vinny here for a special episode. Today we had on number 12 for the Connecticut Whale, Maggie Legue. She's also a former RMU women's D1 ice hockey player. And this was a great episode. Uh, Danny could not make it for this one, but he's here for the intro and the outro. So uh, Pete, I'll throw it over to you. What do you, uh, what did you like about this interview with Maggie? Yeah, this was a fun one. One, first off, Vinny, it was good to get you on the audio instead of just editing the audio. So it was, it was cool to do an interview with you. Um, for people that are listening that don't know, not only is Vinny the producer, but he's also uh, part of the, the staff at Rock, uh, Robert Morris University Women's D1 Hockey Program. And, you know, so another episode, we're going to talk to Vinny all about his experience there working at the D1 level and what his role is with the team. But it was fun to do a back and forth, ask questions with him, have a great conversation. But, you know, for me, I'm excited about, you know, this translates beyond just women's hockey or girls hockey or boys hockey or youth hockey. But, you know, the stuff we talked about of like the sacrifices she made to follow her dream and really just like taking ownership of her development. And I think that her perspective on taking ownership of her path in hockey and her pursuit of the levels that she wanted to play at and what she's still doing to this day to help grow the game and help develop her game. I think it's pretty awesome. So that's kind of what I'm, I'm fired up for people to hear. Danny, what are you, uh, what are you excited to talk about here in this, this interview? Yeah. Um, bummed I had to miss this one, but I, I think, you know, she's obviously doing big things and, she's I mean she's playing at the highest level right so she's she's obviously one of the best at what she does and so I like the idea of you know we've, we've had the the talk with Lindsay Fry too a couple times um just like with girls playing versus boys at the youth level and, and diving into that a little bit so I'm excited for this one guys let's let's get it rolling uh make sure you hit that like button show some love uh send us any questions you might have or shoot us a message on our instagrams and let us know how we can help or let us know what topics we can cover because, yes, we have some awesome guests, but let us know what you want us talking with them about. So anything else we got to add before we jump into this one, guys? Nothing for me. I think uh, I think Danny fires up with a let's go. Let's go. This interview was brought to you by our friends at HockeyWolf.com. If you love the game of hockey or just know someone who does, you need to visit HockeyWolf.com today. Hockey Wolf has physical locations in Montana and Washington State, but if you aren't lucky enough to live near one of their stores, you can always visit their website and place an order at any time. They have everything you need from skates and sticks to shower slips and hoodies. And for all of you coaches and organizational leaders out there, listen up because Hockey Wolf provides some of the best team sales services in all of North America. So if your team needs new helmets, maybe some gloves, boxes of tape, even some warm-up suits and training gear, Hockey Wolf has you covered. So like we always say, go support Hockey Wolf because they support us. That's H-O-C-K-E-Y-W-O-L-F.com. And hey, for all of you lacrosse players out there, make sure you visit lacrossewolf.com too. All right, let's go to the interview. All right, here we go. Special episode today. Now, normally we go right into the introduction for our guest, but today... Our producer, Vinny, is stepping away from the production booth, and he's coming in to help me interview today. So with that, I think it's only appropriate that Vinny introduces our guest. So Vinny, why don't you take it from here? Thank you, Pete. Excited to introduce our guest, a special guest, 
an RMU alum hailing from Berlin, Vermont. Maggie played at the NAHA in Vermont, where she served as captain of white team in 2013, 2014. Also participated in four U.S. national development camps between 2010 and 2013. Maggie spent all four years of her NCAA D1 career with the Robert Morris Colonials here in Pittsburgh, where she racked up 13 goals and 79 assists, making her the all-time leader for defensemen in assists and in points with 92 points overall at RMU. Also, set a single-season record for plus-minus with an incredible plus-28 in the 2017-18 season. On top of that, also made the all-rookie team her freshman year for the CHAs with Sarah Caranta, I believe I said that right, and earned an all-CHA first-team nod in a CHA Individual Sportsmanship Award her senior year. The list goes on and on. After her time at RMU, she was picked 22nd overall by the Connecticut Whale in the 2018 NWHL draft and began her pro career with the Whale in the 2020-2021 season. Welcome to the Let's Go Hockey podcast, Maggie Legue. How are you doing today? Hey, you guys. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, Maggie, thanks for coming on. I'm excited to hear a little bit about your background. I mean, Vinny, Vinny outlined a few, few stops along the way and i'm excited to hear about what you're doing today in the game of hockey and so with that why don't we talk a little bit about growing up uh in in vermont i believe and and how you got into into hockey how you knew you were a hockey player yeah of course um so my dad was a player as well and so um he played at norwich for a bit which is a d3 college nearby in northfield so we would go to games all the time as kids and um We just kind of got into it from there. My sister, who's three years older than me, she played as well, and she was a goalie. And I had always wanted to be a goalie too, but my parents were like, absolutely not. Just just one of you gets to be a goalie. So I was still kind of bummed out about that. But um, yeah, so we just started playing in the backyard as kids and then just um, played youth growing up. And so that's just with our youth organization. So that's kind of how we got into it. But Apparently, which I didn't know, um, after my first time at practice, I hated it and never wanted to go back. And my mom was like, no, you need to just do it for just do it for your dad one more time. Just try it out. And I was like, "Okay," And then just kind of stuck with it from there. And um, yeah, here I am now. So (laughs) thankfully, I was forced to go back. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't didn't give up on the game. That's good. I got got hooked into it. So you uh, one thing in your bio that Vinny mentioned is that you played it at NAHA, the North American Hockey Academy. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about what uh, what that is and, yeah. and a little bit about your experience there before we jump jump into like later in your career? Absolutely. So um, we call it Naha for short, um, but we uh, it's located in Stowe, Vermont, which if you've never been, it's a gorgeous little town, um, huge ski and snowboard town as well. So it's always bustling in the winter. So we would um, go for only five months out of the year. So what we would do is I would enroll in my public high school, like my regular high school for a month, and then basically transfer out of my high school, transfer to Naha. And we would live there in a house with basically 40 other girls and our assistant coaches and a cook um, from October until end of March. 
and we had tutors and like our teachers there. And then we would play hockey. I mean, it was like 80 game season or something crazy. So we were just on the go all the time and it was so fun and um, definitely a unique experience compared to a traditional, you know, prep school. See, I don't even think I would call it a prep school. It's just like one of its own things. Like um, it was just such a great experience. And um, I don't think I would have had the success I had without going there. So it was definitely a lot of fun. And then after March, after playoffs, we would just pack up and go home and transfer back to my regular high school. So definitely a different experience, but it was, it was a ton of fun and made a lot of long lasting friendships. Oh, that's, that's great. That sounds like, I mean, 80 game season is intense. I don't know if I even play 80 games a year anymore, even in my men's leagues, which I'm in now, but. And and like our, our league games too, would be 20 minute periods. So we'd play four college length games in one weekend. Sometimes if, you know, say we flew to university of Minnesota, like we'd have the early game on Sunday in order to fly home. So that I can't even imagine trying to play like four college games in a weekend now, like two, two is plenty, two is too many sometimes. That's a lot. So what, what in those years for Naha, I mean, obviously it's a great experience. It kind of even sounds like it mimics what the college lifestyle was like a little bit. I mean, can you talk to how that prepared you to get into your D1 hockey career and sort of that as a stepping stone to get to Robert Morris? Yeah. So we, like I said before, like you're living with 40 girls. And so you normally just had one other roommate. So, you know, from day one, you're living with somebody else. You're learning to live with another teammate, another person that maybe you don't know that well, maybe you do from before. So that was um, definitely a new experience for me when I first got there. Um, But yeah, I mean, you're doing your own laundry, you're managing a full class schedule. I think sometimes that gets forgotten with Naha's like we, we do go to class. We would go to class from one to five forty every day and you'd have practice in a lift in the morning. So you, and then we would play on the weekend and school doesn't stop just because we had to miss class or anything. So we're continuously, you know, time managing our classes along with playing hockey on a full schedule. So that was a huge benefit in going into college. So it was like, okay, I already know how to live with somebody. Granted, college courses are a little bit different than Central Vermont High School. So um, that was really the only major adjustment with that sort of environment. But I mean, it was it was the best case scenario, I think. And I think that's the same for a lot of kids who do choose the prep school path or something similar. Like you are used to living with somebody else and you know how to set boundaries when it comes to certain situations and just you you learn a lot about yourself and I think that's a really good thing well, that's that's great it definitely sounds like it prepared you obviously it prepared you in a lot of different ways since you I mean made your mark on RMU <laughs> defensively and you know point production plus minus it's incredible I mean really the the stats and the time and the way that I've heard your name mentioned at my time at RMU is nothing but glowing so that time at that time at RMU, huge success there, right? How does that time at RMU set you up to get into the um, the whale? And talk about that. I mean, it's different now that you're not having to take classes. You're out in the working world. I mean, what was it like going from D1 hockey and jumping into the, the pro ranks? Yeah, it was definitely an adjustment. And I think 
it's so hard to compare apples to apples, just given the way this past year has gone. And um, so, but I mean, with that, it, it's the same expectation as like you would have had in college. Like, you know, our coaches are there to do a job and we were selected to be there as well. Like they, the expectation wasn't any different from, you know, a college team compared to a pro team. So, um, and I think they almost expect more just because you are, you're not so much like a rookie going into a pro team. Like you've been through the experiences through college or if you played pro before you went to the NWHL or wherever, like, um, they expect a lot from you and it's, it's not just, you know, some people who've had maybe not as great experiences are like, Oh, it's like a beer league. It's totally not like that. Like we had a really close knit team this year, which was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, players know a lot about themselves um, as you continue to play and everything. So it's, you know, college is like, you really kind of found your niche as a player And then when you get to the pros, it's like, okay, everyone knows what they're doing and they're excelling at it. So it's, it's figuring out, you know, you're playing against players who have been playing for a long time and continuously like get better. So it's, it just, it's growing at a crazy trajectory and it's, it's awesome. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's growing like crazy. You know what? Like I wanted to ask, did you know any of the girls on the whale? Like, was that a reason why you went? I mean, I know it's relatively close to where you're from, but is that a reason why you joined them? So they had, they had drafted me prior to that in 2018. And then I had joined the PWHPA, which just didn't go well at all. Um, But then I had put my name in free agency in the beginning of March, like last year, just to see. And I was like, I'll just select teams that are closer. So I had like Boston and Connecticut and the rankings and then just kind of tailored off after that. And Connecticut was the only team that reached out. And I was like, this is like where I'm meant to be and meant to go. And no, I don't think I really knew anybody from beforehand, um, which was kind of cool just to go into a new place. But then of course you meet people and you're like, Oh, we have this, that, and the other mutual friend, or like I played against you in college. So um, it was, I didn't really know anybody beforehand, but it was, it was definitely the a great group to be part of. Nice. So you're, you're part of that whale, not you're the Connecticut whale. Now you're like you said, before we started recording, you're living in, in Vermont, right? Um, so walk us through for the, the, the listeners here, especially for like, you know, for myself, like, I think that the, the NWHL is an, is an awesome thing. And I, I hope it keeps growing because it's such a positive influence in growing, especially the girls side of the game, right? Like mm-hmm. the girls get to see people like yourself playing the game at the highest level and, and it's an inspiration and role models for them. But, you know, a lot of people don't see behind the scenes and what that might look like on a day-to-day basis. So can you walk us through like, you know, what are you doing off the ice training wise? Like what does a a week or a month look like for you schedule wise practices, like game travels and in work outside of hockey too. So can you just throw that out to us so we can understand what you're, what you're doing to play pro hockey and pro women's hockey? Absolutely. So during the year, um, so I guess we can start with summer, like preparing for the season. So granted we weren't totally sure what the season was going to look like, but you kind of still train the same way. And so it was definitely hard this year with COVID and everything. Um, Everything was basically shut down. So I would work full time and I still work full time at the same job as a financial analyst. Um, So 
I've been working remote, so I'd work a full day, um, either work out in the middle of the day or after work, something like that. Try to, I had like three gym memberships at one point to try to figure out a gym to go to. Cause I'd be like, okay, like planet fitness has like really great cardio machines that I could use, but like they don't have a free weight squat rack or anything. So I'd go to a lifting gym to like get that. And I was like, this is just a nightmare. So spent a lot of money this summer doing that, but you know, you try to find a place to train and then I'd get up at 7am or beforehand to skate at 7am at Elevate 02 in Essex. That was a 40 minute drive. So that'd be my weekend. And then I'd shoot for six hours on goalies on Sunday. So definitely was a bit different than what I've been used to, but so that was basically what the summer was. And then going into the year again, working full time, would go to the gym after work and then we'd have practices two days a week. Sometimes it'd be an 8 PM start or it'd be like a 9 30 PM start. And then, you know, you're back up the next day for work. So definitely, um, definitely is a lot to manage. And then I got a puppy, which was <laughs> kind of not the best idea, but she's great. So then I was trying to deal with her and everything. So a lot of sleepless nights. <laughs> So you guys were, or you girls were practicing two nights a week. Like, I didn't realize that. I kind of thought that because, you know, I mean, you're not making a full-time living being a professional hockey player, but you're playing professional hockey. You're getting paid to do what you're good at and what you love doing, following your passion. But you're, you know, you're, you're also, like you said, working as a business analyst. So I didn't realize that you were practicing two nights a week on top of that too. So, um, I think that's a, that's a good insight there. Now do, do all the girls make it to practice or is it kind of variable depending on schedules and things? It definitely, we had a pretty consistent number go for the most part there. We ended up and a lot of the two days a week was because of COVID as well. And like, depending on the rinks availability, the league, I think like set the standard of two days a week to really limit any sort of exposure because we all are coming from different places. Um, so we added some weekend ones and we would have, make sure that we had the full team there on the weekend, but we had most people, I would say the majority of the time, um, during the week, but yeah, I mean, sometimes like we had people from all sorts of occupations and sometimes work gets in the way and people couldn't make it, but we all kind of know that going into it. So it's not, it's not a huge deal if like you couldn't make a practice, but it definitely um, would be a bummer if like we didn't have a huge number, but I mean, that's just the way it works. Unfortunately. This last season with the NWHA was abbreviated. Um, The tournament was cut short, but I mean, I'm curious, hopefully our listeners are just as curious. Do you have any info that you, I mean, are you allowed to share like how the upcoming season looks? Um, I mean, I don't know how much you're allowed to like give us. We can cut this if you're like, yeah. no, we but, like, how, how does the upcoming season look? I mean, I know you have some Canadians on the team. You've got um, um, one of the women's from Austria. Like, are they in the States? Are they going to be able to come back? How does that, how's this all playing out? What does it look like for the, the NWHA in 2021-22? Yeah. So from what we've heard so far, like it's definitely a go. So that's great. Um, the way it looks could be similar to you know what we've seen in college in the sense of like either no fans 
limited fans, whatever the case may be. So I think that's more the route that they're exploring. Um, but again, it's similar to like what the issue they ran into last year was like, things were just changing so rapidly that it was hard to, you know, really have a plan in place of, yeah, we're definitely going to be playing every weekend. And then it turned into, okay, November, December, January. So, um, I think with the way things are going, there's definitely a better chance of a more normal season as normal as it can be given the circumstances. But, um, yeah, I, we, we don't have a ton of info other than it's definitely happening, which is probably the best info that we have so far. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely like a, a piece it together as we go sort of thing. And, um, they, they do a really good job of, you know, trying to accommodate us as best as they can. So that's great. Nice. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing how the, the league keeps evolving and growing here, especially, you know, post COVID is, is I think it'll open up more opportunities for more, more girls and women to keep playing the game at higher levels and inspire younger girls. So I, I have two questions here for you. One's a real quick one. I'm super curious. Cause I, um, how many, how many women on your team or in the league are moms? Are there many mothers that are playing? There are a few, I'm pretty sure. Um, oh gosh, I hope I don't get this wrong. I don't think there were any <laughs> on my team that I know of. Lots of like pet pet parents. We had a lot of pet parents. <laughs> but um, other than our coach, I don't think anybody was a mother. Um, but I do know that there were, I want to say like one or two on Minnesota maybe, and uh, maybe Buffalo. So definitely it's definitely there. Like there are definitely moms there that play, which is, I mean, all the power to them. Like that's incredible. Yeah. Awesome. And talk about balancing life and you throw kids into the mix too. And, uh, I just, I ask simply, well, one, we're at, you know, this recording it's mother's day this weekend. So it's on my mind, but it also like we're, I'm having a, a, a kid this week as well, baby number three. So my wife is, Congratulations. Mother. thank you for the third time. So I also like babies are in my head right now. So I had to ask, um, so my other question though, is I want to, I want to shoot back kind of uh, circle back on, on youth hockey. And, you know, a lot of our listeners are, um, I think of this episode in particular are going to be young girls or parents or coaches of young girls. Um, you know, you talked about how you played at the, in Naha and that, that Academy type system. Um, what about before that? I love asking people like yourself about, you know, your thoughts on your path on like boys hockey versus girls hockey. Like when, you know, did you play boys hockey growing up? If you did, when did you make that transition? Like what, any regrets on when, you know, like, did you do it too late or too early? Like thoughts on, on that concept. Cause that is, you know, for a higher level girl, that's a big question of whether they should be playing boys hockey or girls hockey. And, and, and it's so what are your thoughts on that? You, we could tell the difference. I could tell the difference in college of who had never played boys hockey and then who did. Um, so personally for me, I, you know, girls wasn't a thing until like U10 or U12. I mean, I think U8 is now a thing, which was never a thing when I was a kid. Um, so I, you know, you play youth, which is your normal. So I also ended up playing on a select boys team from when I was a squirt to my first year of peewee. And your first year of Wee back then was when you could start hitting. Now I think they switch it to your second year or something like that. Thank goodness. But um, so I had played 
select boys hockey um, for three years, which was an amazing time. It was such a fun team. Um, so I definitely don't regret anything like that. I ended up switching when I was 12, 11 or 12 to girls hockey, just because the boys were growing and I wasn't yet just the way genetics works at that age. Boys always hit puberty before girls did. So, um, that was when I stopped. I had, I broke my wrist, got hit from behind from a guy just kind of got freaked out after that. Um, And so that was just when I knew I needed to make the switch for that season. And um, so for me, it worked out really nicely. I think I ended up playing um, U14s as a 12 year old anyway. So I was still playing up a level a bit, which was good. But I mean, boys are so competitive and being, I was one of the only girls on the team. It was always like me and one other girl. So you know, you, you are one of the boys essentially. And you could tell, like, especially as you got older, like who had the physicality, who played some checking, who didn't, you know, there's definitely like the stereotype of like the way girls play hockey versus the way guys do. And even with like how you put your equipment and everything, which is just ridiculous. <laughs> but um, so it, I think it's very beneficial if you have the chance to continue to play boys hockey if you're still having fun and it's safe, then I think it's great. I mean, you just got to like listen to your instincts and your body and, you know, think about it. It's like, okay, am I getting to a point where I'm scared to go out and play and get hit or, you know, am I not having as much fun as I would be with a girls team? So I think those are definitely some factors to consider. And that was kind of something I considered, you know, when I, did break my wrist and stuff. I was like, Ooh, like, this is kind of scary now. Like I'm not, not really into playing with the guys as much anymore. So for me, it it seemed like a good transition at that time. And for some girls, maybe it's sooner. And for some it's later, if it, if that's how it works out, if that's an option for them. Yeah. I mean, that's the more, you know, women that have played division one hockey or, or professional hockey or Olympics that we've had a chance to talk to it's I, I keep hearing different answers. And I think that that speaks to the fact that it's, it's just a personal choice and there is no one right answer, right? Like, you know, I think a, a, a girl can come up in all girls hockey and be a, you know, reach the highest levels and a girl can come up, you know, we talked to Maddie Rooney and she played basically didn't start playing girls hockey until essentially college. Right? Like she played all yeah. through high school and, and some other, you know, and I, I, you know, me growing up, I, I had girls on my team all through high school and then they ended up playing in the Olympics as well. And so I think it's just a personal decision, whether it's a, a you know, the physical part might influence that the, the maturity part. I think, uh, I think the state, like, I think where you're playing and location is a huge factor too. Yeah. Like we're not so small. And, you know, back then there, there wasn't a really great select girls team to go play on. So that, that was just something that like you had to deal with and figure it out. And so boys was just the answer back then. And now that the game has evolved so much, there's definitely, you know, way more teams for younger girls to play on that are select and everything, which is great and fantastic. Um, But again, if like those girls aren't as competitive as guys, then maybe it's still stick with guys hockey for a little bit if you can, and then switch over to girls when you're, you know, 12 or 14 or whatever it may be. But I think depending on what you're used to playing and growing up and where you're located, that's a huge factor. Yeah, totally. I, I agree with you too. And, and, uh, 
Yeah, it's been really fun. Like even I'm in kind of a, you know, out here in Montana and not a ton of girls hockey, but it's growing very quickly. And like, I think we're fielding a, an all, like one of the, one of the cities, I think Missoula is going to field like an all girls 10 U team. So like the team will be all girls, but they're going to play in a boys division or in a youth, cool. youth division. And that'll become like a feeder system. Cause most of the girls here make the transition over because it's 14 U is the youngest girls division out in this area. And so you end up having some nine and 10 year olds playing against 14 year olds, which is tough, but um, it's pretty awesome to see Isn't that. That, that like, makes you better though, too. Like, yeah, it does. You know, you, you learn to just continue to excel and it's something to look forward to and look up to of like, okay, I have, I gotta be that good. If I want to, you know, keep playing, if, if they can do that, that's something I need to do. That's the thing with like boys hockey too, is like, you know, they look at you as a girl sometimes in the locker room, but like on the ice, like you're just another player. Like they don't, they don't really care. And, you know, it'd be funny. I'd go to like some girls practices in the summer and like you'd get into the corner and they'd be like screaming or like, Oh my God, like, I don't want to touch you. And it's like, boys, (laughs) boys <laughs> they just don't they don't see the ponytail out of your helmet they just see another person so absolutely so when you you mentioned <laughs> i agree with you on that one the you uh you mentioned back in college that you could tell the difference between like the girls that played youth hockey versus girls hockey like what would you say is the biggest differentiator for a you know when you reach that adult level hockey the different backgrounds what, what's the distinguishing factor you think i think a lot of it is physicality on the boards in front of the net like they're not scared to make contact and make initial contact first a lot of times I feel like they kind of wait for somebody to like make contact and it's like no sometimes like you need to make it you know a couple feet before the front of the net and like so just not being scared to initiate that contact first and sometimes just like the thinking and the speed like boys are just so fast and that's just the way it is sometimes, especially playing boys hockey, like we play on mini sheets a lot. So it's like, you have to think way quicker of like plays and like outlets and stuff like that. So sometimes the IQ, you could tell a little bit, um, but I mean, it's, it's hard to tell, but I think the biggest thing would be the physicality more than anything. Well, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, yeah, we've gone through your history. We've gone through, you know, now you're in the pro ranks, but I'm curious, what, what are the plans for your pro career? What are the next steps? Because obviously you have a great team you play for. The league is growing. I can't wait to see what happens with it this year. But what are you looking for in the future? And is it just playing? Do you look to coach down the road? We have an opening at RMU. Logan Biddle, <laughs> he changed careers. So you, I mean. I know. Oh my you know? God. I know. Isn't that crazy? Look at this guy. He's recruiting on the podcast. That's right. That's right, Maggie. Get back <laughs> to Pittsburgh. <laughs> that's that's something you probably learned from Logan, though. I just always yeah. recruiting. That's Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, for right now, I'm currently working and taking just some time off. I always do that in the spring a bit. Once the season's done, just unwind. I mean, you don't, it's hard to miss the game when you're playing all the time. So it's nice to just take a step back and enjoy life a little bit. Um, but yeah, I'll, I've been in contact like with our coaches and stuff and he actually texted me during this just to reach out. So, um, interested to like hear what they say and everything, but, um, definitely like kind of just playing it by ear and going from there. It's, it is tricky since we are starting to get back into the office and like getting work on board with that again. But I mean, my teammates at work were so awesome. They were 
like the biggest fans the entire time. Like I had um, office managers and some of our general agents email me who I've like never talked to before. And they're like, oh my gosh, like the game was so fun to watch. Like they had no idea like what really hockey was anyways. But so they, they were definitely like on my side the whole time and they thought it was really cool. So they were so supportive, which was just awesome. But yeah, so just going to enjoy the summer and like get back into shape and stuff. So I'm probably out of it a little bit right now. <laughs> That's good to take time away. It's amazing. Sometimes you take a few weeks or months off and you get back and yeah. it's almost like you've never felt better. Right. Kind of, kind of crazy. Like some, I mean, this is probably for young kids too, but like, you know, they always think like, I need to be on the ice 24 seven in the summer. And, you know, you kind of always had that thought, at least I did like in the back of my mind, like it, it is hard to train in Vermont and everything. And some, some girls would have programs where they could skate every day and then work out at the gym. And it was like, I, my gym was a gym that was, that had a bus that went to the nursing home. Like, that's just like what I had at my disposal, but I would skate a couple days a week. And then I had my shoulder surgery before my senior year, which was terrifying to get done. I skated twice over the summer both without pucks before going into preseason and I was like this is not going to go well like I barely skated some of these girls skated so much and ended up having a great year so it's like you kind of learn those things as you go and get older but I think the best thing for me was I stopped playing spring hockey in high school and just take some time off and play a different sport like that's so important I can't emphasize that enough take some time away and regroup and reset. Yeah. Sometimes you get tunnel vision when you're in it so much and every day is a grind. When when injuries happen and girls get burnt out and you know, you, if you don't take time away, you're not going to miss it. You're not going to enjoy it as much. So, well, that is a perfect transition into, we like to offer advice to our listeners. A lot of them are young hockey players, boys and girls. What kind of advice do you have, you know, for these people that are coming up that want to, be on the same path as you men, women. I mean, you had an interesting start when you didn't like hockey at all. So <laughs> what kind of, what, what advice do you have for our young listeners just to say, Hey, this is something you, I think that is important that you do giving yourself an opportunity to keep playing the game you love. Yeah. I think you kind of get to a point at a young age where you're like, okay, I'm either really good at this and I want to pursue this, or maybe it's not for me. Both are totally fine. Like I feel like a lot of parents kind of have the tunnel vision too, sometimes of, you know, I really want my kid to go play division one. It's like, okay, that's great. But like, do they want to do that? Sometimes maybe they just want to play high school hockey. Like I had that experience um, coaching a couple of years ago, just some, some parents were just totally like gung ho on playing all the time. And sometimes the kids didn't want to play. And then you have a team out there of like half the kids who don't want to play and some do, and it's just not, not the greatest experience, but I mean, I think you get to the point of, you got to just make it up in your mind. You have to do it for yourself. Like you can't have parents be like, we want you to do this or have friends be like, we want you to do this. It's definitely an internal, you know, it's a mindset change of, okay, this is what I'm going to pursue. I'm going to start going to the gym. I'm going to stick handle after school or shoot pucks or do something. But So it's definitely something that you need to make up in your own mind and then search for resources after that. So, and if it's not your sport, totally fine, find something that you enjoy. But I think 
I think the cross training with a different sport is so beneficial. And again, that's just another team atmosphere. You learn to be a better teammate. If you're not a good teammate, people don't want to be teammates with you. And that's something that I remember coach Palantino told me the first time when I was on a visit, I wasn't even committed yet or anything. And he was like, the first thing we would do, we do is recruit good people. And then if you're a good player, then that's a bonus. So I think that's the biggest thing growing up is, are you going to be a good teammate? Can you be a good teammate and a good leader? If so, then you're just that much ahead of somebody else. Like nobody wants to be on a team with somebody who isn't out there for them. And coaches aren't scared to bench you and they're not scared to cut you like that. This is a job for them too. Like, so I think that's a huge part of the games being coachable, a good teammate and just a good person. And that's something that you can learn all the time. Totally. I think, I think that's great advice for the young players out there. I mean, you kind of touched on a couple of things there, be a multi-sport athlete, be a good teammate. Um, and like what I talk to a lot of players as they're getting older, making that transition of, of doing what they love and, and become going from like playing hockey to like becoming a hockey player is like taking ownership of their development. I mean, they have that in the wall at the NTDP for those players, like take ownership of your development. I think that's kind of what you're talking about is like, if that's what you want to do, like it's not your mom or your dad or whoever pushing you to do it, they can encourage you. But at some point you make that transition. It's like, if hockey is the path you want to go down and whatever your goals are in the game, you've got to take ownership of that because it's not on mom or dad to, to do the extra stuff for you. Right. Um, so I think that's huge advice. So thank you for that. Um, yeah. Maggie, let me switch gears on you a little bit. So, you know, a big uh, population of our listeners are coaches. And so what kind of a, a, a advice would you extend to any coaches listening out here? And I'm going to phrase this a little bit differently too. Um, why don't we, we talk, talk specifically to the youth hockey coaches that are either currently coaching uh, girls hockey or potentially coaching uh, like a youth hockey team that has one girl or a couple of girls on it? Yeah, I think um, I'm just like trying to think from my own coaching experience too. like keep it fun and just lighthearted and also keep some parents in line. I think sometimes that can really make or break an experience and, you know, I'm very thankful that my parents throughout my playing career were pretty hands off. Like once it got to the point of high school and college, they were like, we got you here. Like this is on you. And we had the same thing with school too, of like, you have an issue with the teacher, you go deal with the teacher. Cause then my mom would be like, Oh, you want us to go? And it's like, absolutely not. Like, like we'll deal with it ourselves. So um, I think just, you know, creating an environment where it's very, um, I think culture is the, is the biggest thing. If you can foster a team with great culture, then you're going to have great kids and they're just going to play that much better. If it's a bad team environment, then it's not going to be fun. So um, I, I guess that'd be my advice is just keep it fun and lighthearted, but you know, you got to get kids to buy in and have fun. So. Yeah. How true is that? If you have a kid yeah. who, I mean, they have, every kid has access to, a phone or an iPad, which is a lot of fun. If you can't have them have fun on the ice, then right. they, are they going to come back the next day what's, what's and enjoy it? Exactly. Right. So I think, I think that's huge. And, and just really know your players and learn the way that they respond. Cause at youth hockey, you have the most influence for how they will be 
when they get to college? Like, do they crumble with criticism? Like, are you, are you going to be somebody who yells at them? If they don't respond to that well now, then how do you think it's going to go as they get older? Like it's, it's not going to go well. So I think figuring out your players individually at that young age and seeing how they respond to different types of critique and criticism is huge. Yeah. Even like college, it's like you either have kids who can know what they did wrong and figure it out themselves, or they just completely shut down and then you lose them for the game. Like that's it. Yeah. So I think, I think that's huge. No, you're absolutely right. It is. I mean, that's great advice for our young listeners and then the coaches, which are a plenty, uh, which is great. No, Maggie, this has been a wonderful interview. It's a long time coming. I know we've been trying to set this up for a while, so I'm happy that I could. Yeah, absolutely. I've heard your name so much in my new job and (laughs) and I'm I'm happy to finally get a chance to sit down with you before we let you go. Is there anything else you want to plug for yourself? If you want to talk about anything else at the end, before we have you give us a let's go, anything else on your mind? Um, I will say the coaching staff at RMU is among top tier and just the best. So I had the best four years of my life there. And I even now could not picture myself having played anywhere else. So I think that just says a lot about the school there, the culture there, coaches and everything. It's just top to bottom just was the best time and had great teammates along the way. So that's just my last little bit. And then here's – an absolute rug rat. <laughs> this is Marco. Yeah, showing, the, showing the puppy there That's for right. the, yep. the audio listeners. That's awesome. Yep, she's um, a bit hyper right now. Awesome. So Maggie, if anybody if anybody wants to follow up with you with any additional questions or anything, is there any way that somebody can reach out? We'll put some contact info in the in the show notes. Yeah. Any any um, social media or anything like that that people want to. Yep. Instagram and Twitter are both just my first and last name, Maggie Legue, no space, nothing that exciting. Margo's Instagram is also in my Instagram bio. Give her a follow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, please, you know, DM any questions if any young kids or anybody has a question or want advice at all. Like I'm, I'm here to help and would love to help out. So. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. Maggie, thank you so much for taking the time for the interview. It was a pleasure getting to know you a little bit better and, uh, and hearing your path. And, and I love talking to like someone like yourself, that's a, a, a role model for young girls and helping grow the game at the, the youth levels and, and specifically the girls level. So thanks for doing that. Um, right. anybody thanks, listening Maggie. that's interested in reaching out to Maggie, I highly encourage you to do. And, uh, and from that, I think, I think that's going to wrap it up here at this point, but we, let, we got one more thing, Maggie, before we let you go, we've got to get a, uh, a let's go from you to sign us off. Okay. Are you able to do that for us? Give us a good old let's go. Oh my gosh. All right, you guys, <laughs> let's go. Let's yeah. go thank you so much. <laughs> Maggie Legue, thank you so much for coming on. We was, it was a blast talking with you and thank uh, you guys. That'll, that'll wraps up for, for tonight. Thank you so much. Thank you. Big thank you to Maggie Legue for coming on the show. It was a pleasure talking with you, Maggie. Thank you so much for taking the time and talking through your path in hockey and kind of what filling us in on what you're doing now and what you're doing to help grow the girls' game. But, you know, I think this time, normally Danny and I run through the three stars of the night. Today, Vinny's going to join us again. We're each going to do one star. I say, Vinny, why don't you roll us off with the third star of the night? What do you, what do you say? Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it, Pete. Uh, my... Third star of the night for Maggie 
is whenever Pete, you asked her about um, the difference whenever she sees a women's hockey player who grew up playing with boys and playing with men along the way and how that really adds a different element to the game. The women's game, it's not full check, you know, even at the D1 level that I see more and more through this new job, but it's physical. There's a physical element to the game and talking about her seeing the difference in a woman that has played alongside boys and men in their, you know, career compared to women have just played against other women is, was fascinating. That was interesting. And you do see it and it's good. It, it should be encouraged for them to play together. You guys know you coach, you know, younger kids, guys and girls, you see it, they grow up together and they, they learn how to play hard and it helps the development. So that's my third star. I really liked her talking about that. And that was really, it was really cool insight from her to hear. But how about Danny? What do you got? Second star of the night from Maggie. What do you think? Second star. Uh, Maggie, bummed I, I missed the interview, um, but glad I got to listen to it and relive it. Glad it's out there now. Um, second star, though, is really just <clears throat> the idea that she kept playing hockey, right? And it's no secret that women hockey don't get paid what they should be getting paid. They're professional athletes. The hockey is super entertaining. Uh, I love watching it. I've got a daughter. Um, and so I want her to have the same dream. Like I heard this saying, like, I want my daughter to have the same dreams as my son. Right. And that doesn't happen without girls like Maggie blazing the path, right? Like her, her, she does a full-time job on the side, not on the side, a full-time job with her life. And then she's playing professional hockey, uh, which is crazy to me. Um, but honestly, my second star is more of a thank you. Like, thank you for, hopefully one day setting my daughter up and girls everywhere to have the opportunity to be a professional athlete full time and blazing the path. So thank you very much for, for continuing to do that. It's awesome that the, the NWHL is buzzing right now and things are going well there. And so second star, thank you, Maggie. Appreciate it. What do you got for our uh, first star of the night coach? I love that, Danny. You know, it, it makes me think of the saying, I don't know who said it, but uh, you know, if you can see it, you can believe it. And if you can believe it, you can be it. And so, you know, for people like Maggie and, and all the women in the NWHL, you know, I asked the question about like how many moms are in that league? And, you know, there's a couple of them. And it's like, these women are, are being role models for, for the young girls out there. And instead of just seeing women's hockey every four years at the Olympics, like you can see, you know, role models on the ice that are like the, you know, the gir young girls that have somebody to look up to. So I think that's really cool. And that's going to kind of spin off into my, my first star of the night and, and it's going to be on like the, on just the dedication and sacrifice that it takes to pursue your dreams. You know, nobody really hands you anything when you start trying to, you know, reach for the stars and, and, and reach higher levels. And, you know, Maggie's, you know, she's working as a financial analyst. She's out, she's out of school. She's, you know, she, she sacrificed in high school to go to the, uh, the academy and, and play. And, you know, in college, I'm sure she sacrificed a lot of nights out on the town and, and, you know, a lot of sacrificed a lot of rest so that she could compete at a division one level and, you know, got her degree and went into the workforce working as a financial analyst. And I know that she's sacrificing a lot of her, her free time and energy and, and income and, and pursuing the dream of playing professional hockey. And I think, you know, like I said, at the beginning is the intro is, you know, taking ownership of your development. And I, I think that she's a good example of doing that throughout all the stops in her career. And even to the point now, you know, she, she, I can't remember if it was in the recording or if it was after we stopped recording, but she was talking about how 
you know, in the off season, they don't have a rink where she lives. So she drives like an hour away to go skate with the elevator two guys in, in Essex junction and, and train there on a daily basis and then drives an hour back and goes to work. Right. So like, think about the sacrifice that before most people are even up in the morning, she's already on the ice training after college so that she can play, um, you know, for the, for the whale in the NWHL. So I think it's, it's about sacrifice and dedication and, and, you know, knowing that you don't get to reach the top levels just because you want it. You have to go out there and sacrifice and be dedicated. And then like Danny always says, do the work, you, know, work. you gotta put it, do the work, got to put in the time. You got to put in the effort and you got to do the work. And she's Got a good it. example of that. So she's an awesome example. Appreciate you, Maggie, coming on. Um, yeah, my daughter, girls, future hockey girls everywhere. Although my daughter put her skates on the other day for about a minute. We got her some roller skates and it was about two minutes and she's done. But hey, that's a start. So thank you, Maggie. We appreciate it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, with that, I think that's all I've got for the, uh, for the episode. It was a pleasure talking to Maggie. Danny, it was good, uh, good to catch back up with you after taking the week off there. Good to have you back on the show. Vinny, oh. super excited that uh, you're able to join us as, from the interview side, this side of the microphone. Yep. And I'm making a commitment right now. Like I want, I want to have you as a guest on our podcast, even if it's like a mini episode or something, I want the lowdown on what your job with Robert Morris is. Because when we started this podcast, you, you worked in hockey, but it was on the equipment side. It was not like in the game itself. And you finished up this year working on the staff of a division one college program. A, cha- so, a championship division one program. Championship. Too. <laughs> yes. On CHA. That's right. There you go. So yep. we need to talk about that. I want to share, like, you know, like I think Vinny is a good example of someone who's following his passion and like making a career for himself in the game, even though he's yep. not on the ice as a player. And I think that's uh, a cool message to put out there that like, even if you can't make, you know, like I didn't make pro hockey, Danny didn't make pro hockey, Vinny didn't make pro hockey, but like we're making livings doing what we love in the game and staying involved in the game. And I think Vinny's a really good example of that. So, and just selfishly, I want to I want to hear about what you do on a day in day out basis for a Division One program. Yeah, no, I'd I'm, I'd be happy to share it, and it yeah, I definitely have a non conventional path through the hockey world, but it's afforded me some incredible opportunities, and yeah, here we are talking to some of the biggest names in the hockey world here on this podcast. So yeah, I'm excited to do that, and it's awesome. Let's go, you know, Let's keep go. It rolling. Save the content, you guys are wasting the interview right now. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> that's right nobody's listening to this part anyway this is the yeah, end of the episode yeah, nobody right. listens this far in You're the all tuned out. If, any, if anybody's listening right now <laughs> you shoot me an email danny at projecthockey.com i will hook you up with some free swag but you gotta say the code word uh we'll say because uh, the blues game's on behind me the code word's blues if you email me danny at project hockey code word blues I'm going to hook you up with some free Project Hockey swag. So have an amazing day. Let's do the work and let's go. Thanks again, Maggie.